I mean, even when we, we, we talk about fear, fear is um, a man-made concept. Um, and it's designed really to help us either fight or flee. So it's more like an alert system. And, and even when you, you touched on us being brought into this world, we weren't brought into this world with fear. This was something that was learned. So it even comes from us telling us that we can't do something or somebody else telling us that we're not capable of doing something. Hence, do we become fearful from doing it because we're afraid to fail. And oftentimes, we'll talk ourselves out of it. Like I talked myself out of going to the Dominican Republic last year before COVID. I should have went. Don't know why I didn't go. But fear, yeah, that that is something that it only really exists in your mind. It's the Empowerment Perspective Podcast, hosted by Demiso Josie and Mr. Kareem Spence. Stay empowered. Stay empowered. All right, welcome to yet another episode of the Empowerment Perspective Podcast. I go by the name of Dr. Demiso A. Josie, alongside my sidekick, road dog, Mr. Kareem Petty Spence. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Like, it's cold outside. Um, got that COVID out there, too. Rough out there in the streets. You got that COVID cut, I see. You got your beard. Listen, your the, beard the beard is really luxurious, man. I, I've been using all types of conditioner, you know, to get a nice, soft stuff like that. Get a little shine on. It's a little shiny. Down to, when you forget mm-hmm. your mask when you go in the store, you just flip up your beard like that. And- I, just, I just lift it up. Yeah, I just lift it up like this. I, I was thinking about the day about getting the perm and just let this, like, just really flow. Just straight let it all it out. Right out. Huh? That's what's uh-huh. up. That's good. That's good. So you're doing good right now with this COVID thing. I know school's back in session and, and you're back in the building. Um, everything. Yeah, right like, yeah. Like I said, off air, man, the only difference really is that now I got to wait to use the bathroom before I just go to the bathroom. Now you got to knock on the door, you know, and it's, yeah. man, this is rough. You got to sign a list to get in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and people know how long you've been in there and stuff like that, man. It's just like, <laughs> Too much information you're giving out. You don't need that, people to know true. your business stuff like that. That's true. We're also joined by Jamie Cohen. How are you doing, Jamie? How's things with you? It's going very well. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Glad to see that certain things are not up in your house anymore. Or at least you changed the background. We won't get into great discussion about it because we do have a minor on this show. But um, I'm glad to see that the season is over. Christmas is over. And you took all that stuff down. I'm proud yeah. of you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so this is a new year for us. So I want to, you know, get everyone caught up. Our previous previous podcast we did a couple of weeks ago. Um, we were dealing. We had Steve Bowler on. We had, um, I think, it was the last one that we did. Um, the uh, Stand Tall Steve and um, mm. things of that nature. Uh, but it's it's the new year, so I want to talk about New Year's resolutions. I, I don't, I'm gonna start with you, Kareem. Do you believe in New Year's resolutions? Absolutely. I, I believe setting short-term and long-term goal um, is really like important, especially when um, you can link them all together. You can get a lot of stuff done. Um, I know that for me, uh, this year I plan on doing more traveling. So I'm going to try to get out the country. I know June, school right. year's over, I'm out. Going, huh? hey, I'm going. Listen, remember before, I remember a couple of years ago we was in, uh, in Atlanta, and I remember uh, we had a uh, 
I don't know. I think you were still in the building, but I was on the tarmac. And I was getting phone calls like, Spence, where you at? Listen, man, I'm on this plane and I'm out. See you in the A. That's where you, that's where you can find me at. There it is. That's what's up. Yeah, setting uh, goals is definitely something that you should do. I, I'm an advocate of setting goals every single day. Um, we can talk mm-hmm. about that a little bit later. But um, I set goals every single day, and um, I give myself a grade on how I, uh, you know, whether I met that goal or not. So you know, I either mm-hmm. get an A, B, C, or D, and that's how I determine my day and try to refocus it for the next day. Um, Jamie, how about you? With some New Year's resolutions. I don't know if I have, I didn't really do any resolutions for the year, just kind of month by month, setting a goal and trying to achieve it. I don't, I don't How about don't this? The- How about this goal? How about pay me my wine that you owe me? How about that? How about setting that goal? Coming in 2021 in a debt. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> it sounds like there's some personal problems going on with the Empowerment Perspective group, but uh, we'll, we'll iron that out off air. We want to air out your dirty laundry on the air. So, but um, those of you that follow us, uh, thanks again for rocking out with us. We're going to try to do some new things in 2021. So I have some new people I want to introduce, um, some new segments, uh, because of course here we're all about giving people a platform and a voice um, to be able to express themselves. And um, social media has been really, really good to me. So I kind of, you know, surf through it a lot. And then if I see the same types of messages come over and over and it's in line with what we, we do here, I kind of reach out to people. They say, hey, you want to join the podcast? But this particular person that I'm about to introduce, um, I actually knew her when I think she was a student in my class back when I used to teach TV media in high school. Um, and then uh, she got a job actually in the building that I'm a uh, principal at, an assistant principal at, and then she traded on me. And she decided to go to another building. Um, and then now all of a sudden she wants to come back. I'm being petty. I said, no, you're going to stay over there and you trade it. It's, it's a done deal. So I would like to introduce everybody to Keisha Pabone. How are you doing, Keisha? I'm good. Thank you for putting me on blast. <laughs> That's what I knew. That's an accurate assessment of what happened, correct? Not true. I definitely would have stayed, but there wasn't a job there. So maybe in the future, hopefully I'll be back. Exactly. But so what is it that, no doubt, what, what is it that you do now, as opposed to what, you know, you, you've traded and you turned in your uniform and you're now <laughs> you're in a new team. What is it that you do now? I am a kindergarten bilingual ESL teacher at the ECEC building. Um, so I teach Spanish children and I'm helping them, you know, learn English and get them up to par with, you know, grade level expectations, but, you know, ultimately trying to get them to exit the program and be mainstream. So. Yeah. So, um, now we always ask teachers on the, on this show, like, take us through that first day uh, of you had your own class for the very first <laughs> time. What was that experience like for you? Well, I could say that there was no amount of schooling that they could have provided me, no preparation, because, you know, when you're thrown in, you're just thrown in. It's like they, you, I mean, you can prepare, but there's just like, whether there's a kid peeing themselves, they're not really, you can't really handle. Yeah, you can't, I have little guys, kindergarten, so you can't control everything. It's just not in your grasp. It just, and I'm a person where it's like, oh, this is, <laughs> I like to be able to maintain everything, but you know, I just have to roll with the punches. I guess that's like my first day. I just had to kind of let go and just say, okay, like this is what I expected, but this is might not be how it's going to go. Mm, that's a really good point. And I had, um, I was, had a speaking engagement the other day and we we're talking about 
how to get out of your own way. And one of the things I was talking about was sometimes the end result is not how you pictured it, right? So don't necessarily get caught up in a final product. I always pride myself in trying to enjoy the process, right? So it's kind of, it kind of reminds me like of a wedding, like you were planning for this wedding and no matter what happens, something's going to go wrong. But you've, in all that planning and that anticipation, the end product is not what you envisioned it. So you missed out all the fun and enjoying those moments of picking out the colors and picking out all this stuff and inviting people. What auntie can't come to the to the wedding because they don't like this one can't sit. You miss all that fun because you worried about that end product. So uh, I, I think that's an important thing is understanding having a direction and a goal to go to, of course, but understanding that may not what the may not be the what the end product is going to look like. Um, so I could definitely relate to that. How about New Year's resolutions? I know I'm jumping all over the place, but do you set goals for yourself? Well, I used to have like explicit, like I would set out goals for the year, but I'm more so, I agree with you. I do like daily goals. I think that's easier for me because I can get a little overwhelmed that, okay, you know, might not go as planned. So I do daily goals and I kind of say to myself, okay, then at the end of the week or maybe by the end of the day, I'll say, okay, maybe I made it, maybe I didn't. If not, I can try again tomorrow or let's reassess, let's see what's a better way, you know, that I can get that goal accomplished. So since you're new to the podcast, the way we do, this is unscripted. So whatever you want to do, you want to jump in and make a comment, feel free to do that. Um, I didn't have you on this list. Let me, let me, let me jump in with the little guy like to pee himself. You should have told him to roll up. Yeah, roll up, partner. We don't do that in this classroom. Did you look at the board? Read the board. You got to roll up. But nobody pees in this classroom. Go to the bathroom. Matter of fact, I'm writing you up. You're going to be suspended <laughs> for five days. How about that? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I don't know. He just... Just tell him that's not how we do things in our school district. <laughs> I'm like, I know. I was just like standing there. I'm like, all right, okay. Uh, I did not prep for this, but... Mm -hmm. I was like the nurse's office. They just so thankfully it's all they go to the nurse and I don't have to <laughs> deal with that. But that's crazy. Oh my god! You gotta call the custodian. You say, "Well, somebody need to come clean this," and you take all the rest of the kids out the classroom to clean. <laughs> <laughs> we basically, yeah, either they gotta go outside. We just make like a lesson. Okay, we're gonna have like five minute, ten minute break, which is good for them because they not. I know that yeah, they're little, and normally you would think there's a lot of like play infused, but I feel like they work them really hard, and so it's kind of. A good thing sometimes the kid pees because we're going outside for a little bit, getting some air, especially with COVID and all. So all right. I think they're really happy to pee. Before we dive too too deep into this topic, I mean I do wanna it is 2021. We're introducing some new things and then the Palmer perspective is about giving people a platform. So um I, I reached out to a very good friend of mine out there in Chicago, Kyle Santillian. If you out there um in, in Chicago, I believe his station is WGCI in the mornings. Had the number one rated morning show out there in uh, Chicago, um, but I was on his his Facebook and I saw his son giving uh, predictions for NFL football playoffs, and I you know was following him and I was like, all right, let's see what his picks is going to do. And he it came out, you know, he missed one or two, but he had some really really insightful things. So we're going to introduce a new segment, and uh, you know we're we're educators, so we like to bring children on that definitely give them a platform and a voice. So. I want to introduce my man Carson all the way from the shy. How you doing, Carson? Good. How are you? I am good. So, um, what? Before we get into your picks, why did you start uh, to make these picks and these predictions? I didn't decide to make these. My dad came up with the idea of doing this, and 
at some point I just went along with it. I got it. I understand. Listen, I, he's doing a good thing. Um, getting you out there and, and, and trying to uh, broaden your horizons a little bit, but I have to admit that you, some of your picks were on point. So um, we got the playoffs coming this weekend. I think we're down to four teams, correct? And, mm -hmm. and, and I want to know what you think um, in the NFL coming this weekend. Uh, for the first two games, well, not the first two games, but for the first game that I have, I have Green Bay winning. Really? But you got Green Bay beating Tampa? Yes. Dang. Why? I want to hear this, Carson. What you got? Why, why is Green Bay going to be successful? Again, like I said, with the Saints, I wasn't successful with that pick, but mm. they do, definitely do have one of the best trios, like the Saints, with mm -hmm. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Adams. Hmm. What about that cold weather, that tundra, the frozen tundra? Is that going to play, like the weather's going to play any type of, um, we're going to play into the game? It might, because Green Bay might have an advantage when it comes to weather. But you're going mm -hmm. against the great Tom Brady, right? They, they're playing Tampa Bay than the great Tom mm -hmm. Brady. You don't think the Tom goat. Brady has the goat. a chance at pulling this out? I don't know. See, I, I have to like go with Carson because when he was in Chicago, it was cold out there. It was really cold out there. Like, so I don't I don't know being in Wisconsin if anybody that is from Tampa is is built for it. Because when I was in Tampa, it was 80 degrees outside. People outside eating ice cream. So I don't I don't know. I gotta go with I gotta go with Carson with this one. I think um Green Bay may have that number. It's cold out there. It's cold out there. So let's go over to the, the AFC side of things. Um, I believe we have Kansas City versus mm -hmm. Buffalo. Carson, who, who do you got for that pick? My thing is, if Patrick Mahomes doesn't play, maybe having a, having a concussion, I'm going mm -hmm. with the Bills. But if he is playing, then Chiefs. Mm -hmm. Okay. I like that. And here's what I will say, that if they rule um, Patrick Mahomes boy, out the game, I guarantee you the entire team will get COVID just so they don't have to play. I guarantee you, they're not going to play without. <laughs> they're not going to play that game? They are not going to play without. Everybody <laughs> going to the game with Chad Henney. Uh, Henney Henny thing is not possible when you have to go in the game with Chad Henney. That's I don't know much about football, but I will say, I think Tom for that first game, Tom Brady's definitely cuter than Aaron Rodgers. So if that counts for anything. Wait a minute. Are, are we betting looks now? I always feel like cutest colors, cutest quarterback. I agree. Yes. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. I tell you what, don't, don't, don't let how good a person look in that uniform fool you. Did you go to any basketball court in America? The guy out there that is dressed head to toe, that's always matching, cannot ball. I can tell you that right now. That's facts. That is facts. So, Carson, who's your favorite NFL team? Philadelphia. Whoa. Oh, really? Yeah. That's your father's influence. That's your father's influence. I don't understand. He's from Chicago. I don't understand. How you come way back on this side of town? But they they are from Philadelphia slash New Jersey, so I understand where it's coming from. But he's he letting his father influence him in the wrong direction. If you're saying that, I know you're saying that I'm from Chicago. Even though I'm from Chicago, 
that doesn't mean I can't like the Bears, but that doesn't also mean I can't like another team more. I, I agree with you, but I tell you what, when you get a little older and you decided you're going to date and you tell like a young lady that you're from Chicago versus Philly, she's going to like the Chicago answer better. Ask the ladies that's on the show. Nobody wants nobody from Philly. They'd rather take Chicago. Like I prefer Philly. Philly's like a little scrappier. Oh. <laughs> Philly's scrappier? No. <laughs> no. What about California? Because like Tom Brady and um, Aaron Rodgers from California. So yeah, you guys like leaning more towards Philly. California type guys? I love the Eagles, so I'm biased. <laughs> my boyfriend's an Eagles fan, diehard. The mm -hmm. whole family is. So I like my Eagles. I don't know. If y'all break up, y'all still going to like the Eagles? Ah, uh, yes, I'll still like it. Yeah, yeah. Just and, and, that's, and that's why you staying in the ECEC. You're not coming back to Philly. <laughs> right there. Well, Carson, I definitely thank you for your time and your predictions. We're going to see uh, what happens this weekend. So we got Green Bay. You said Green Bay's winning. And then we also have, it depends on if Mahomes is going to play, but I'm going to say you're going to go with um, KC on this one. We'll see if you, we are right. Um, at the end of this week, and, and hopefully, um, hopefully, your father will steer you in a better direction than liking the Eagles. Pick in another, <laughs> so, <not enough. laughs> so I'm gonna let you go, Carson. Hopefully, um, you know, you have a good week at school. Um, stay safe out there in Chicago and then definitely bundle up. Make sure you mask up and all that wonderful stuff. Uh, but we're going to have you back again uh, for your Super Bowl pick this the next time. Because, um, you know, mm. down to the, 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 we'll be down to the final two. Um, so mm -hmm. definitely thank you for showing up today with your picks. And hopefully we'll see if you're, if you're right. So thanks, Carson. No problem. Thanks for having me. No doubt. So uh, I want to introduce, you saw her real quick on our, on our show. She had a little something to say when it comes to her picks and how she picks on uh, NFL teams <laughs> on, on looks. Uh, I don't know if that's a, a good thing to do, but uh, we'll, we'll go with that. But um, this is another person who was um, a student of mine. And every once in a while, you come across somebody who just has it. Um, and, you know, when I had an opportunity to teach her in television production, it was just she had a quality about her that just that just screamed that she was meant to do um, something in the world of entertainment um, and, and production and things of that nature. Um, she went on to, I believe she went to Rowan University and then went on to become Miss New Jersey. Um, and then now is down in North Carolina um, with our significant other who is a um, Brendan Poole, drives NASCAR cars and stuff like that. Unfortunately, couldn't join us today, but um, I would like to introduce everybody to somebody that, um, you know, not only just her, but her family, I respect great there a great uh, amount but um this great people and i like i said i don't surround myself with people that aren't about things but uh, definitely some good people down here in south jersey miss Lin Lindsay giannini how are you doing today i'm doing well thank you for having me i'm really excited to be here and uh, meet all of you as he said i was a, a student in uh tv media and he was really the first teacher that gave me that confidence to feel like I could do something really big and give me that confidence. And I remember um, one of the first times he told me that he wanted me to be on the morning announcements. <laughs> and I feel like that was really the kickoff for my, I had always wanted to do it. And I was always like making videos and making my sister videotape me doing dances and music videos and stuff. But I was very 
shy, especially among your peers. When you're in high school, you're so concerned about what the other high schoolers think of you that you're so scared to even like put yourself in a position where kids can like talk about you or make fun of you. But it really took Mr. Josie saying, listen, I think you should do this to, to give me the confidence. Not only that was really the kickoff, but really he put me on my entire career path. And it's funny when I was preparing for my Miss America interview, you do hundreds and hundreds of hours of interview prep. And they have you think about a lot of answers to questions. And so it's not a canned answer, but it's something that you've put some thought into. So if you're ever asked it, you know what to say. And he was always my answer for a teacher that had the most influence on me in my life, my favorite teacher. So thank you for being such a good influence on me. <laughs> you almost made me shed a tear a little bit. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's so sweet. But yeah, I, that was always, and it was even like, I had to write stuff for, you know, they, they ABC, before you go on the broadcast, they ask you questions about your life. And he was in all my paperwork for teachers and people who had big influences in my life. So certainly, certainly the guy. <laughs> awesome. So let's talk about goals, right? Was that something that you always wanted to do? Um, at that, Did you see that as, as your path in terms of, uh, you know, the Miss America pageant? Or was that just something like, how did that come about? Or is that something that you just fell into? It's interesting. My my grandmom used to sing, there she is, Miss America, when I was little uh, to me. But it really wasn't a goal of mine until I started a nonprofit about distracted driving in my town. And I started it in the school and I started a group. It was called Students Against Distracted Driving. And we got a lot of signs up throughout the community. And I was able to take that nonprofit nationally. And I was doing a lot of work and I was doing a lot of work to help change some laws um, in Senate, New Jersey Senate and Congress. And I found that it was a really good third party qualifier platform. And I always said that people listened better when I had a crown and sash on. Like if I just came into Senate and gave a testimony about why I think there should be a task force about distracted driving, they wouldn't listen. But if I came in with like my Miss America sash and my crown and like in a pretty dress, like now I had something to say. So it's just really how, how the, work, the world works. But I used it as a platform to launch all the other work that I was doing. I was honored at Miss America. I actually won the Quality of Life Award, which was the highest scholarship. And it was for um, our community service. So out of the 50 girls, I was honored that I um, got the community service award. And it's something that I still keep up with it actually it started because I have such driving anxiety which is absolutely ridiculous that I ended up with a NASCAR driver but I say like I have a DD for life like <laughs> guess what I don't drive for like I drove the other day it had been like eight or nine months since I had driven a vehicle because he obviously always drives and he's the best driver there is and if anything ever happens he will see it you know 20 seconds before I could ever react so it really started out of fear um, fear of driving and then I wanted to do something about it and you know even to this day we're safe driving advocates and we do a lot of work with you know children and people understanding and one of the main questions that I always get about Brennan is oh he must be crazy on the road or he must drive so fast but he's honestly the opposite like he is so cautious and he knows he basically says like everyone on the road is like an idiot <laughs> and you need to drive really defensively so he's very very cautious and you know he's saved our lives hundreds of times um you know we have to travel so much and drive so much so he's really a, a safe driver and he does a great job when we're talking to kids about being responsible it's, and he says you know i've hit a lot of stuff and i don't want to hit anything when he's not in his rig <laughs> <laughs> right it's an interesting story because i actually remember those signs like you're know, driving through town and i was like 
you know, the, the I can't remember exactly, but it, the texting signs, I think that was up yeah, everywhere. Yeah, stay alive. Yeah. Don't text right so i was like and it was just like everywhere i was like that there you go i was like lizzie has something to do with that has something to do with that but then it went from that to to seeing your pictures all over town for you know miss america thing and it was just like to see the progression it was just was crazy uh but one thing you said when you're talking about uh fear and i'm going to open it up to, for people to talk about how you overcome fear because i i think part of the issue that a lot of people have is like i said getting out of their own way because of fear um, and, and learning how to conquer those fears. So I'm going to open this up. We'll start with Jamie. And what you think about, and, and how do you overcome fears um, that, that you face in life in general? Um, I really can say that I have overcome a lot of my fears. And I think that the way that I was able to overcome those fears is by progressing and moving forward in life. So within a year's time frame, I made a big move in my life. I used to be scared of so many things before I made that move. And I can honestly say that right now, the only thing I'm afraid of is a spider crawling in front of me. I will take anything else on, hands down. Um, and it was just seeing what I was able to do on my own and accomplish all of those things on my own allowed me to really just not be afraid of anything anymore, knowing that I'm capable of handling it, except the spider, except the spider. Because the spider is probably the same size as you, but we're not going to get into that right now. Uh, <laughs> Keishla, how do you handle your fears? Um, well, mine's a constant daily battle because I feel like um, I have anxiety like naturally as a person. So um, it's something that I'm learning to kind of personally um, give to God. That's just how I am as a person. I have to give it to God and say to myself, okay, this isn't in my power to you know, hold. Um, it was never for me anyway. So it's something, you know, daily that I'm doing every day. Um, I am the biggest, like, just scaredy cat of everything. I'm like, I don't know if I should do this because then this, I'm like, all right, let's just, let's just keep doing the pattern, the same pattern. And, and I'm really, I mean, again, over the years, and especially this year, I think that God has definitely really just taken me out of my comfort zone. This COVID, this was not prepared. It has made me go crazy <laughs> as a teacher. Like it's only my second year. So um, fear, me and fear, we're working on it. We're working on it, but um, definitely getting better. Um, just the daily goals. So they're all, all of that's, you know, twining in together. Right. I think we talk about the comfort zone or I guess the uncomfort zone, I should say, um, a lot on our podcast and, and, and learning to accept and learning how to grow when you are uncomfortable. Um, Cause that's where, to me, that's where growth happens is when you're, you are uncomfortable, even when you were a baby, right? So you come into this world, it's uncomfortable. You're crying and you're not used to it. It's the same type of philosophy, I think, in life. So I constantly try to place myself in uncomfortable zones and try to, cause that's, to me, that's where you grow and you try to do some things. But I think I've done it so much that I, there's not a lot of things that I fear anymore. You know what I'm saying? Cause I, I know how to navigate those uncom uncomfortable waters because it's just, you know, something that's second nature to me. Kareem, what you got? How do you, I, I know you don't have any fears other than uh, <laughs> IRS and, and, and child support. Listen, <laughs> no child support. You ain't putting that on me. Um, no alimony either. You ain't putting that on me either. Right, so, I mean, even when we, we, we talk about fear, fear is um, a man-made concept. Um, and it's designed really to help us either fight or flee. So it's more like an alert system. 
and and even when you you touched on us being brought into this world, we weren't brought into this world with fear. This was something that was learned. So it even comes from us telling us that we can't do something or somebody else telling us that we're not capable of doing something. Mm-hmm. Hence, do we become fearful from doing it because we're afraid to fail. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we'll talk ourselves out of it. Like I talked myself out of going to the Dominican Republic last year before COVID. I should have went, don't know why I didn't go, but that's another podcast. Um, but fear, yeah, that that is something that it only really exists in your mind. Mm-hmm. Nowhere else can it exist. So the things that anyone else is afraid of, I'm not traditionally going to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it was uh, the movie that Will, Will Smith did with him and his son when he talked about the difference between uh, fear and danger. Danger is real. Like being in North Philly around about 12, 30, 1 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, that's, that's danger. Mm-hmm. Fear, you know, is, I don't know, driving 75 miles an hour, 80 miles an hour on the expressway, thinking that there's going to be a state trooper that's going to pull you over. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are two different things, two different concepts. But in, in reality, and like Jamie said, to overcome your fear, you just have to really talk yourself out of not being afraid mm-hmm. and not afraid to fail. I think Worst part, thinking. Yeah. part mm-hmm. of it too is fear is like you, most people fear the unknown. You fear mm-hmm. that you don't know what's going to happen. And then it mm-hmm. comes back to what I said earlier. Like I, I don't look at the end product. So there's no need for me to really fear anything. I'm not expecting anything at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I'm not fearing the unknown, uh, mm-hmm. which I think is, is, is important. Um, Lindsay, I want to go back to you. I want to go back to sticking within the same lane of fear. Um, my assumption is that before you was going to hit that stage or before you were given a speech, uh, I'm sure you had butterflies. Like, how did you overcome that, I guess, that anxiety that comes with that? Because there's a lot of people, I guess, public speaking is like the number one fear um, that people have. Like, how do you, how do you overcome uh, that fear to be able to d- deliver um, your message? For me, it was always practice. By the time I had gotten to the Miss America stage, I had already like testified before Senate and I had already won Miss New Jersey. So I had a lot more confidence going into it. But getting to that point to me was was so hard. And um, I think the number one thing that helped me was like mock interviews. So I'd have a panel of like 10 people that I knew who knew me really well, which I think you can get more embarrassed by than a bunch of strangers. So I'd have people who were really close to me and I would do my spiel and then I'd ask them to give criticism. And at that point, it was like my iron, like my armor was ironclad. I couldn't get, nothing could hurt me anymore. Mm-hmm. Because when you're, you know, your mom or your dad is telling you like, no, like that doesn't sound good. <laughs> it's like some stranger um, saying it really isn't going to matter. So I think for me, mentally being to the point where I, I have to just stop caring what people think, mm-hmm. especially one of the things that no one prepared me for when I took this track was the attacks that you get attacks from people who used to know you or people who think they're entitled to part of your success or people who just naysayers like when i was miss new jersey there was a whole blog dedicated to just like trashing me and it's like you never anticipate that when you're a little girl and you just you want to be on stage and you want to do all these amazing things and it's actually something that uh dr josie taught me was that a dog only barks at things that are moving. And he told me this when I was like really, really, I think it was like a fresh freshman year. And he gave us this metaphor about someone riding a bike 
I think it was him riding a bike and that the dogs would only bark if you were moving. So I just always think of those people as dogs. You have to think of it like just it rolling off of you. So I think once I stopped caring what people thought of me, then that fear of public speaking just went away. Right. That's a huge thing. Um, even to this day, when I go and, and present in front of people, in my brain, I'm like, maybe two people might be listening to what I have to say anyway. So who really cares? <laughs> so, what you said resonated with me. So. <laughs> so I could be in a room full of hundreds of people. I'm like, all right, maybe maybe 10 is actually listening to what I have to say. Um, but I do like, you know, walk in a space of not really caring what, what people think. Um, my process is like, you know, I learned a lot from sports. So I would, in sports, I would envision what the game was gonna look like or what it's gonna feel like more so than what it's gonna look like. So I, I usually go through this mental exercise of, um, you know, putting on my uniform or my jersey or whatever, you know, what's warm-ups gonna feel like, you know, what's the tip-offs gonna feel like. And I do the same thing now before I present or before I do anything, it's kind of like, I, I walk myself mentally through the feeling of what I expect is gonna happen. Um, and then kind of like once that first word comes out, it's just, you know, it's, it's a done deal. Um, Jamie, I want to turn to you because I know it's probably two years now since we've been to San, San Antonio, but that was your first time presenting in front of people. And I know you were nervous. I know you were, uh, <laughs> were scared. How did you overcome that, that fear? I think for Jameson. that. Jameson. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, just preparing myself for it and over preparing and writing notes and going through it in my mind before it happened helped me prepare for what I was about to do. I didn't want to step in and, and not know what I was doing. So I mentally walked myself through it before we did it. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it, fear is a tricky thing, I guess. I guess once you've done and put yourself in a lot of uncomfortable spaces, at some point you just get used to feeling uncomfortable and fear doesn't necessarily become uh, an issue. Um, I want to go and switch gears to uh, trying to um, get out your own way, I guess I should say, because um, fear, you know, is one of those things. Um, anyone can answer this question. Uh, how do you, uh, I guess, give people advice on how you can get out there, how they can get out of their own way. So for me, for example, for me, I set what I call non-negotiable. There are certain things that I, I absolutely try to do without the course of the week. And I kind of instill that with my, my kids. Like education is a non-negotiable. Like you, I don't want to hear it. You have to do work. You got to go and get your homework done. Um, my non-negotiable is broken down into different um, sections. So from a physical standpoint, I try to walk at least 20 miles a, a week. So that's a non-negotiable. I don't care if it's raining, if it's, if it's cold, it's something that I, I try to do, um, you know, Financially, I save at least 20% to non-negotiable. Um, so there's certain things that I do um, that kind of gets me out of my, my own way, so to speak. So I'm opening it up to anybody. What's some of your tips on how to get out of your own way and stop being your own problem? Because at the end of the day, you're your only competition. Making excuses. Like you've come up with your own excuses as to why something cannot be done. Now, of course, if it's a physical thing that you can't do, that's something totally different. But if you're coming up with an excuse on why you can't save X amount of money per week, then you're actually in your own way. Like you're just developing barriers for you not to be successful. Mm. And 
if you, you know, make an attempt to remove all those excuses, now you're left with a decision on if you truly want to do it. Like we've always talked about what your why is mm-hmm. and getting to your purpose. But if you allow the excuses to get in the way of what your purpose is, then you're not going to be able to accomplish what you're trying to set out. Mm-hmm. I think two things you hit on is like the purpose is obviously number one and living in your gift. Um, but I think also people make excuses because they don't have a goal. You haven't really set your, it's easy. Like if you don't know where you're going, it's easy to say, oh, you know, I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? And if that goal is not in line with your purpose, your excuse is going to come in your head all, all day long. Um, so I think some people might set unrealistic goals mm-hmm. and, not, and not, you know, you know, short-term goals and work your way to it. Um, but I think goal setting is important. I also think living in your purpose and in your your gift is important, which I'll get to in, in a second. But um, Kaysel, how do you get out of your own way? Are you still in your way? <laughs> I am my worst, my own worst enemy. Um, I What I'm like learning to do is, you know, if I'm in this pattern, like, you know, I was stuck in a funk or something, I deliberately will do the opposite of what I'm used to doing. I have to, you know, have anxiety. I've learned to, okay, let's do this. I guess handle this a way that I, you know, wouldn't normally handle it because if you don't start doing something different, you're just living in insanity at that point. You're just wanting a different result, but doing the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how I get out of the way of myself doing something that maybe I normally wouldn't do. Um, if that makes any sense. <laughs> Absolutely. Lindsay, how do you get out of your own way? Well, for me, one of the things I struggled with is what well, was since I started really working on it was completing tasks because I have so many different things that I'm doing. My attention was always so divided. I do help with all Brennan's marketing and I've got cookbook that I'm working on and I write on TV show things and I could never finish anything. And I discovered this method called the um, Ivy Lee method where it's seven things a day and you have seven personal things, seven business things that you're working on and you work until that one is done. And if you can't go to the next one until that one is finished and then you do as many as you can and then it'll go to the next day mm-hmm. and it was something that really started to help my productivity I was like wow I'm like finishing things and getting it done because I something that I super super struggled with was because I'm someone who was always trying to do a million different things not actually completing the thing and it's really increased my productivity to be able to have those seven main things I'm supposed to do a day mm-hmm. and not move on to the next one until the first one's done. Makes sense to me. I mean, the system, the overall system, that, down to your, I hear what you're saying, the overall system that I, I kind of use is, I call it the triple A's. And the first thing that you have to do is um, a self-assessment. So uh, the assessment piece, you need to know where you are currently, right? So you know right now, or you knew that you can finish those those things right so um, I think a lot of people need to do a self-assessment number one to find out one obviously what you're good at what you're not good at where are you um, at this particular moment in time but also understand that this is only a moment where you are right now like you, this is only a, a moment in time so doing a self-assessment in all areas of your life the good the bad and if you're crazy like me you might even ask other people to do an assessment of you that's one of the big things, if there's parents listening, um, a hack that I do is I always ask my children, what could I be doing better as a father? Like you should have those conversations. Even if you're a teacher, what you ask your students, what should you, could you be doing better as, a, as an educator? So that self-assessment, getting the measure of where you were. To me, the second step is then um, 
self-acceptance, understanding that it's okay to be here right now. Um, because again, it's not your final place. Um, but then the last part is self-action. So you have to look at your behaviors and really zeroing in on your behaviors and focusing on your behaviors as it relates to what your purpose is, as it relates to what your goal is. Because everybody, everybody says that they want certain things. Like NFL teams every year want to win a Super Bowl. But I could probably go in any locker room and tell you which one's not going to win it based upon their behaviors. Who's not coming to practice? Who's cussing out their coach? Yada, yada, yada. So if you want to be successful in your industry, in your whatever career is, you might want to be CEO. But if your behaviors are not in line with that, you're never, ever going to get to that, that particular point. Um, so that's kind of the system that I operate in, in terms of getting out of my, my own way. Um, I want to go to the concept of competition and, and how we can use that to, I guess, um, get us to that next level um, in, in life in general. Um, Lindsay, I'm going to go to you first, because obviously there was a hundreds and thousands of girls that wanted to be Miss New Jersey that year. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So, Walk us through that, that, that process. Were you like Kobe Bryant? You had that uh, Mamba mentality that I'm just going to work my tail off and just and beat people. Um, how strategic were you uh, when it comes to competition and how you prepare for, for certain things? Incredibly strategic. Everything I did um, leading up to Miss New Jersey was the strategy to win Miss New Jersey. My strategy going into that week was make it so that they have to pick you. So that it's almost like if they don't, the, everyone would be outraged because how could they, how could she not win? So that meant to me that I had to be the best in every area. I had to do the most community service work. I had to put, you know, have the best swimsuit walk. I had to be the best dancer that I possibly could be. I could be the best spokesperson so that everyone in the room was almost in an agreement that, yeah, she's the one. And it took everything that I had. It really actually like burned me out because I had to get myself into this mental space. And then when you go on to Miss America, it's at a whole other level because now you're under a microscope and it's all those girls who did exactly what you did to get to that point. So it's not, you know, any local girls anymore. You're going against the Californias, the Miss New Yorks, the girls who have, you know, $100,000 worth of training every year behind them. And it's really like, at that point, you really just have to go in and be your best self. Mm. And it did, it really burnt me out. And I was like, man, you know, I'm not competing anymore for like not doing anything competition related. But like I said, I ended up with a NASCAR driver where competition is our bread and butter. And it's also like life or death. So I went the wrong direction, I guess. <laughs> Wait a minute. I want to get back to what you said, because it was very, very important. Can you tell me more about this swimsuit walk? Now, what is that? <laughs> So it seems like you wouldn't have a lot of um, stuff going into it, but that was probably some of the most prep that I did was walking because there's so much training that goes into the posing and looking natural. Like um, imagine how uncomfortable that is being in a bikini in front of thousands of thousands of people and them judging mm -hmm. you against every other girl. So mm -hmm. you have to be able to have the strength and calmness an understanding of how to work a crowd in that instance, because it's so incredibly awkward. So if you go out there and you look awkward, you feel awkward, everyone's going to feel awkward looking at you. Mm -hmm. So there's so much training that goes into, um, and I'm actually, I'm helping 
a, uh, a, a girl right now. Her name is Nini who wants to be a fashion model because I did so much walking work, hundreds of hours of coaching for just walking because all they're seeing really, you get 10, the judges see you for 10 minutes in an interview and for three minutes on stage. So in those three minutes, if you don't show them exactly what they need to see, you're done. And it's only three minutes. So I really in swimsuit only had 90 seconds to show them that I had the confidence and grace to be able to represent the state at the national level. Hmm. I want to go back to something that you said earlier about, you know, when you, you made it one Miss New Jersey, then you went to the next level. And I think that what you said that resonated with me was that there's people you know, people hit a ceiling in life, right? And then you get to this point where you just can't go anymore. Um, and I, I, I think back to a game I used to play, Super Mario Brothers, or Mario Brothers, one of the Super Mario Brothers. And there was like 15 levels to this thing. And I could never, ever beat the game. And I always get to level 15, couldn't beat it. So I ended up quitting, didn't obviously beat the game. But now looking back at it, I realized what I was doing wrong. I was using the skills and the tools that I learned in level one, trying to beat level 15. Where the reality is I needed to come with a whole new skill set in order to be able to beat the game. And I think a lot of people in life right now are stuck because you're still using skills that you learn maybe in high school or in college or whatever. You're not expanding your toolbox so that you can get to that next level. If your toolbox is not able to be expanded, then you need to put yourself around people that's going to help you get to that to that next level. I think that's important piece in terms of getting out of your own way. Stop using stuff that you learned on level one because that was only good enough to get you to that level 14. You'll never beat level 15 without um, expanding your toolbox. So I think that's an important note that you, you, you kind of- <laughs> And it's interesting you, you use a toolbox reference because I say after Miss America was done, I had to throw out that toolbox because I hit that ceiling. There was nowhere else to go from going to Miss America. So I really had to, and it's something I even struggle with now, like reinvent myself mm -hmm. because that skill set was, I, pe I always make a joke that like I peaked so young <laughs> that I really like I achieved my dreams and did everything that I wanted to do at, by 21. So by 22, I'm like having a midlife crisis. Well, like, okay, now I already went to Miss America. Like, what do I do now? So I had to really reinvent that toolbox and take, I didn't throw everything away. But I take the skill set and the interpersonal skills and the things that I learned being a public figure and how I could adapt that into the real world and also make money because now, you know, you have to have a career. So it's, it's, it's something that I, I deal with every day. I think the reinventing yourself is a huge thing, especially now in COVID. And I think a lot of businesses are are closing and failing because they didn't know how to reinvent themselves and, and given this, this particular crisis. Um, I always say, uh, obtaining success is easy. Maintaining it is the hard part because you have to reinvent yourself. You have to learn how to, to, to change um, what you do. Um, Jamie, I'm going to come to you in an educator space because um, we obviously are in COVID and things change educationally. Like, I, what was through the process of how you reinvented yourself as a teacher given the, the days and times that we're in? Because obviously you still had to go to the classroom and teach and it didn't look like what it did yesterday. So you have to remember, I mean, with teaching now, um, although we are back in school, there are still students that are at home. So not only are you trying to engage those students, but you're competing with everything that's around them in their household. 
So you have to reinvent ways to want them to pay attention to you and listen to you while you're teaching versus playing a video game, picking up their phone, playing with their siblings around them. So every day it's looking up new ways. What are kids interested in now? How can I infuse that into my lessons to keep them um, engaged? Now, occasionally you had the you had the babies, and it's hard to teach them in a normal setting. Oh yes. <laughs> so what did that look like for you when we switched over into to code? To hybrid or remote? Like let's full go, remote. Yeah, let's remote. We'll go full remote. Okay. Well, um, it looked a lot like. Um, uh, well, in Spanish or English, regardless, is turn your microphone on. Turn your microphone off. Okay, I can't hear you. Your video camera is off. Your video is off. It was a lot of that. But also, um, you know, like it was mentioned, is that keeping that engagement level. And, you know, I only have a short period as it is in the classroom, let alone online. So trying to, like, minimize how many times I'm sw switching in and out of, you know, links or, you know, all these different tabs. I did it. For me, I found it easier just having a presentation where everything was linked through that and kept it short, concise. Um, dancing, I was singing. If you ever popped in, you would be laughing because I'm singing, I'm doing it all. I don't care. Whatever I got to do to keep those kids, you know, focused, I'm doing it. Um, you know, some of the parents are laughing. They're like, you know, they enjoyed it. So, I mean, as long as it's enjoyable, then I feel like I keep, you know, them coming back. That's fine with me, you know, and they, hopefully along the way they learn something. <laughs> Awesome. It's like being on stage, right? You're, I mean, it, you take on this new role of not only having to teach, but but being on stage the whole time. Yes, yes. And it was definitely nerve wracking because I'm like, okay, I don't know if I'm, you know, different people have different things. I feel like that they, maybe different opinions or things they might, I don't know, they might look at me and say, oh, maybe she should have done this instead. So then I'm like, okay, I wonder if they're like, I don't know. I'm just, you know, I'm walking on eggshells maybe. And then I just kind of, said, well, you know, I do what I got to do. So if they're laughing, that's, I guess that's a good sign, <laughs> you know, but it is, we are like, uh, you know, we're on stage where there's a platform and um, it can be a little nerve wracking. So how has the situation uh, made you a better educator? You, Jamie, or, or uh, Keisha, that can answer this. I'll let Jamie go first, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that, so, you know, my 15th year of teaching, but really it's my, my, second year of teaching with COVID. So it makes you go back, um, learn new ideas, learn new ways of reaching students. It makes you reinvent your old way of teaching. Everything that you've used in the past isn't valid anymore. So I had to start over again, regardless, and, and anyone, regardless of how many years you're in teaching right now, had to start over again. Great point. Yeah, I, I, I definitely saw that with a lot of senior teachers, you know, even them coming to me and saying, you know, I don't even know what I'm doing. And I'm like, I need you to know what you're doing because I don't know what I'm doing, you know? Um, it's definitely, again, you're taking maybe certain approaches or certain things that you were teaching in class and you're taking that and you're adapting it and making it, I guess, reinventing it. Um, so, you know, you don't want to make maybe something up, something brand new. I, I don't think that you'll just drive yourself insane, but also taking it and seeing the most important parts and then just making it, I guess, relevant, not only relevant, fun, and then just to the point for the kids. Um, so it made me, I guess, realize to let go of the idea of it was going to be perfect in that sense. It's not going to be perfect, um, but you have to do what you feel is best for the kids and hope, again, that that's, that works out at the end of the day. 
Makes sense. We're going to um, switch gears because we're running out of time here. Definitely want to be mindful of our time here. So we're going to have a little bit of fun on our show. Um, Casey, I didn't tell you about this part. So I'm going to see if, if you decide to go along with this one. So Lizzie, I gave you a little heads up. You okay with either one of those scenarios? Depends. I'm okay with either of them. Yeah, it's right. fine. I'm an open book. <laughs> perfect, perfect, perfect. So we're gonna do we're gonna do the the phone the the, the phone uh, call if you don't mind. So let's do it this way. Casey, give me a number between one and ten. I don't even want to say a number. <laughs> All right, one is five. Give me a number between one and five. Two. Two. All right, Lindsay, here's your task. Ready? I'm going to go into your text messages. Count down to the, the second person that texts you. Um, so not the last person that texts you, the one before that. Okay. Are you, able to, are you able to call that person? Yes. I think he'll, I think he'll answer. Okay. I'll put him on speaker. Perfect. Hello? Hey, Dylan, what's up? I'm on a podcast. Do you have a second? <laughs> yeah, what do you want? What am I? <laughs> hey, hey, Dylan, can you hear me? Dylan, can you hear me? He, he can hear me. All right, listen, I have a very, really, really important question to ask you about Lindsay. It's really simple. Give me two words that you use to describe Lindsay. Describe Lindsay? Yes. Good. That was sweet. Thank you, Dylan. I appreciate your time and, and entertaining us. I would, I, I would, I thought uh, I would, that went well. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dylan. Thanks, Dylan. <laughs> All right, you're Bye. Hey, Shelly, you down to play? Or you want the question? You want to? All right. Uh, let's, let's do it. <laughs> so I'm going to turn to Mr. Petty Spence on this one because he had a mission in 2020. And I want to see if that mission is still the same. And we'll see how you answer this question. Okay. Yeah, so what we've been, well, I should say what I've been in search of is just to find more people that are petty. Like I'm really petty. And even if you go back to the beginning of the podcast, I told Jamie she needed to pay like she weighed. Even though she's only about 94, maybe 95 pounds, I still want my wine. Even though this bet has been going on since 2020, I still want my wine. So for you, would you consider yourself petty? Um, no, because I feel like I just kind of like I, petty. No, because you told us you had a little boy that peed on himself. So that right there is, is really petty. <laughs> you didn't have to say that. You could have said something else. You was like, yeah, he peed on himself. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why you petty. Because you, you, you traded, you went to another building that's petty. No, that's called survival. I had no job. So I had to do what I had to do. I mean, I, yeah, I don't think I'm a petty person. I don't think so at all. I think that I kind of let, I, I, one thing that I'm grateful for is a lesson I've learned is to let things roll off your back. I had someone tell me just let things roll off your back. Not everything needs a reaction, an explanation. Uh, I get even, if you will, because 
I feel like that it's karma that comes back. Would your significant other consider you to be petty? Would he agree with you or not? He better not. He better. <laughs> then it might be petty. He might have to make his own lunch tomorrow. <laughs> That's petty right there in itself. Yeah, that is petty. That was a petty thought. Like, yeah. It's a petty thought, but never the action. That came out way too easy. We know the answer to that question right there. I did something pretty petty this year that you might be impressed with if you, if you hear this one. Oh, I'm, was, I'm always impressed by pettiness. What you got? Good one. So there was another race car driver that Brennan got into it once with, and he made some comment, and uh, it really bothered me. So about a year later, uh, we had Brennan's cup announcement, which is, you know, him going to the big leagues. And I bought a couple bots on the internet and told all of our friends that we were going to like tag hit this guy in this post so that he could see it. <laughs> hashtag. You're hashtagging people? Oh, wow. <laughs> so we had like, he got inundated with like all these tags so that he could see that he was wrong. And, uh, I sent him. I sent it from me too. Like I wanted him to know it was me, which is, I think, even more petty. <laughs> that was definitely petty. <laughs> oh, too. Like it's from me. What you gonna do about it? That's bold too. Yeah, I was like, I wanted him to know who it was from. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So we're gonna wrap this podcast up. Lindsay, thank you for your time for sure. Kaysla, thank you for joining us. Hopefully, you'll join us again. Um, and, and you know, rock yes, with Thank it. you guys for having me. Fun stuff. Um, so just, I guess, there's some housekeeping things. 2021, we're coming out, obviously, with some more podcasts. Um, hopefully, got some pretty heavy hitters lined up if, if, if you know, we can uh, coordinate things um, out there. Shout out to Carson. Thanks for coming on, um, giving us his picks. Got to have him back for the Super Bowl picks as well. Um, again, we're about giving people a platform. Um, why not give kids a platform? Let's try to groom him and see, see where this thing takes him. Um, so definitely thank you for that. Um, trying to think of what else. We're trying to get back on the road. Of course, this COVID thing is shutting it down, but we do have some um, virtual things coming up um, that I will let people know of shortly. Um, but we're definitely still out here grinding. If you haven't checked out the Clubhouse app, make sure you check that out too. What the Clubhouse app is, is basically an audio platform where you can join conversations such as this one. We're probably going to do something on Clubhouse soon. Um, and just listen in. There's all kinds of stuff and all kinds of topics. So if you just want to, again, network, be around positive people, be around people that's going to be um, able to help you, definitely check that out. You can just listen, you can participate in, um, but make sure you're looking around because there are some rooms in there that you, for entertainment purposes, but there is some good um, content on there too. So be on the lookout for the Empowerment Perspective on Clubhouse. Um, so as a means to wrap this podcast up, um, any last words from, uh, we'll start with Lindsay, any words of encouragement? What would you say to somebody that's interested? There's a young girl out there right now sitting in ninth grade TV media class or something like that. Um, what some words, some words of encouragement or anything that you would like to share to close out? Well, I think chasing your, I know it's cliche, but if you just keep working at your dream, eventually the law of averages, it's gonna come true so just not to not to give up it took me a few times to win miss new jersey and people told me to take a year off and to stop or that it wasn't worth it but i just kept going um and you know what i want to say to all the teachers and to you guys the educators is thank you so much this year i don't think they're other than the people who are literally fighting covid in the hospitals you guys have had such an impact 
of the mental health and the support systems around kids. I know firsthand because my sister's a teacher and, you know, she would talk about how the kids would, she has office hours and they'll make up things so they can talk to her and ask questions because they're so bored at home. And that breaks my heart. And what you guys are doing to create normalcy in this bizarre time for these kids and be pillars in their lives right now makes me cry. It makes me just, it's, I could never do it. So thank you so much for doing that for, for our youth. It's truly like the most important thing is helping kids get through this, this, this year. So thank you for all of your hard work. Awesome. We definitely got to have you back when the cookbook gets done. Because there's somebody on this show, I'm not going to name names, Jamie, that can't cook. So she's probably going to need your cookbook to make sure uh, she can get those recipes down. Um, and obviously, you know, good luck with the TV uh, writing and scripts and things, uh, the things you're working on. Shout out to Brennan, too. Make sure you give us, uh, give him our, 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 you know, support and love and all that stuff. Um, in his career, hopefully, you know, he takes it to the next level and I can sit there and, and yell and scream at the TV um, as I do at all sporting events. Uh, but make sure you, you stay in uh, contact with us. We definitely love to have you back on when some of your, your things are coming, um, you know, full circle for you. So definitely thank you. Keishala, any last words of encouragement? Um, I think you told me this in high school. Um, yes, you did. I tell my mom this every time that when I'm overwhelmed and I, I know a lot of educators can probably, you know, attest to this, that you take everything one day at a time. Um, you know, you can't worry about what tomorrow brings. You can only, you're only in control of right now, what it is that you have right in front of you, you know, accomplish that. And then, you know, work on, uh, tomorrow when tomorrow comes. Uh, so I think, you know, we just take it one day at a time and we'll just get through it. That's interesting. I said a lot of stuff that I don't remember saying to people. But That's fine. It's, it's good. Yeah, it's it's very impressionable. Obviously. <laughs> yes. Jamie, any last words before we get out of here? Um, yeah, just, you know, never, never put yourself in the box. Think outside of the box. Don't allow someone to tell you what you're supposed to be. Don't be afraid to try something new. All of those things. Awesome. Mr. Petty. Self-care. Making sure that you are taking care of yourself physically, emotionally. Making sure you're hydrated. You got your diet in check. All those things will play onto your level of mood, irritability. So you want to make sure take a vacation. Get away. Leave country. Start making plans. COVID's not going to be here forever. Bounce. Get about it. Get about it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, my last word is simply somebody right now, if you're listening to this, uh, when it comes out, somebody in your life right now needs to hear from you. They need to hear that you love them. Reach out to somebody you probably have not talked to and just give them some words of encouragement. We all struggling right now on different levels. Uh, mental health is a really, really big thing in this community. Love somebody is one of the things. So make sure you reach out to the people that are close to you. Um, Take care of your family. Unfortunately, I've lost three family members in the last week and a half, so uh, you know, I'm speaking from, from the heart. So uh, make sure you take care of each other. Mask up, please. Socially distance. This thing is real out here. People are dying. Um, and you, you, know, you don't have to go out. You'll be all right. You don't have to go to the bar. Mask up. Let's get through this thing so that we can you know, live our best life back then. Um, so stay tuned, 2021 should be fun. Always stay in power.